This is the Muscles and Management Podcast, where we build your body and your business. Talking all things training, sports performance, and business for athletes and aspiring coaches to enhance your training and better your career. Muscles and Management is brought to you by Challenger Strength with your host, Jerry DeFilippo. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 73 of the Muscles and Manager podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. Picked up a few of those the last couple of weeks, uh, so that's been great. So thank you guys for that. Uh, as you know, that always helps, as I always tell you guys. Um, you know, also, just give me some feedback on what you're thinking of these Meathead Monday episodes. Um, you know, I expected that they would be you know, downloaded a little bit less than the regular episodes is just kind of what comes with the territory of like adding new content to the show and like not having a guest on the, sh- on them. But that wasn't really my concern with it. Like I wanted to make, uh, you know, episodes once a week that were kind of straight into the point, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of just me kind of walking through topics or basically like, audio articles, so to speak. So uh, let me know what you guys think about them. But uh, I've been enjoying doing them so far. And I've been enjoying recording myself with video doing the episode so that I can put together some content for you guys out of the episode. So um, let me know what you're thinking about it. And just to kind of brush up on the previous episodes of last week and what is coming up soon. So episode number 71, Meathead Monday. Last week, we had Kevin Poppy dropping in to do part two of quarantine training tips with me. Uh, that was great. We were talking about, you know, training for adaptations um, versus just chasing specific variations and, and how that makes it a little easier for us to train while we're home uh, and stuff like that. So just check that out. He was great. Episode 72. Last Wednesday, we had Tyler Yerby coming in to talk skill acquisition, skill development, uh, you know, all the basics and essentials of agility. It, just a really thought-provoking episode that I think you guys will love, so check that out if you haven't already. And then coming up Wednesday, so in two days from now, episode number 74, Bill Hazell, consultant for the Philadelphia Phillies uh, with pitching and also works with Driveline. Just a great episode overall with a lot of things pertaining to pitching and throwing, so check that out if you haven't yet. And then one last little announcement uh, before we kind of get into things. Um, the pre-order to the ebook dropped last night. So the conjugate programming for athletes and coaches ebook. Um, the pre-order I dropped last night. So this was that would be Sunday the 19th. And don't forget that the order. I'm sorry, excuse me. The book itself will be uh, released on Monday, April 27th. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be great. The outline is fully done. I already started putting together the layout uh, to put it together and to kind of drop everything in. So I'm excited and pumped for that. With that said, kind of getting into what I want to talk about today. So I got a, um, I got a DM basically two weeks ago, a week ago, um, Asking me, you know, hey coach, uh, if two athletes are squatting and one squats 130 kilos, the other squats 90 kilos, um, you know, will the athlete who squats more be faster or a better athlete? Um, and, and I think it's important to talk about this. I can tell you that my thoughts on this have become not that they've changed tremendously. I would say it more like the, the ability to answer this has gotten better over the last couple of years of my experience as a coach. And the thoughts I have about it are just much more extensive. Excuse me. Um, and I thought this was a really good kind of question to bring us down an entire, uh, you know, new rabbit hole of concepts uh, that kind of tie together. So I think it was a great question in that regard. And I will also say that it is not common to 
have someone think that the more weight that they lift in a particular exercise, the faster they will be. Um, I will tell you for one that when I first started out as a coach, I thought it was much more important than it is now. Um, you know, I, I would have told you that if an athlete lifted 300 in their front squat and then got the 360, that they'd automatically be faster. Um, just because of the force production ability. And while force producing ability is important, I know that that's not, you know, nearly it. it it's a lot more and there's a lot more moving parts to it. So, uh, let's look, let's break it down. So strong in one particular exercise, and it is definitely not an apples to apples comparison to other activities. And, um, when we look at this, we have to consider several components, uh, that go into kind of why it's not an apples to apples comparison. So the first the few things you want to look at. Number one, the rate in which the uh, force is produced. So we've heard of rate of force development, things like that. And the kind of context in which we produce force in a sprint, let's just say he asked about uh, speed particularly and being a better athlete in comparing the two athletes who squat 130 kilo versus 90 kilo. And we have to understand that the rate produced in the squat is going to be different than the rate produced in other activities in sport activities and sprint activities, et cetera. So understand that, uh, you know, the time it takes you to produce the force in your max squat is going to be way longer than the ground contact time. And when I say way longer, that's like a, an, a, a kind of like a under, uh, I'm underselling it in how different it is and how drastic the difference is, but you only have a, a certain amount of time to produce force in athletic movements, ballistic movements, baseball, basketball, whatever it is, jumping, sprinting, obviously. So that's the first one. The plane of motion. So the plane of motion that is kind of emphasized in your activity. So as we know, uh, sprinting is a combination of vertical and horizontal, uh, force vectors, um, you know, especially in, in acceleration, it's not just purely vertical. So the squat, as we know, is in the, is moving vertically. Um, you know, we know in like baseball, I have a lot of baseball listeners hitting and throwing are a lot of the frontal and transverse planes. So we can't just say that straight up a better performance in a activity that is purely vertical. Let's just say for this example, you're moving upwards is going to produce the same results directly and correlate directly to things in other planes of motion. Last but not least, the technical proficiency and experience in the lift. So the activity and the lift corresponding, um, they have, they have an effect, uh, you know, on the ability to display force. So I could take an athlete who, if you maybe put them on a force plate, one produces way more force than the other, but the one that produces less force on the force plate can lift more on the squat because they are just more technically proficient in the lift and they have more experience with it. Um, you know, I've had athletes that are way more forceful, better vertical, all those other things, but don't squat as much because it's like their first time squatting. Let's just say they put up a really good number because they have a lot of genetic gifts and a lot of, um, elastic components and force producing ability, but they've never done it before. So maybe they squat a little bit less than someone who has more experience, but lacks in those qualities, um, compared in head to head. So a, an example would be a lifter with more squat experience may squat more due to technical proficiency, but they're not actually stronger than their counterparts. So they're good at the lift and they perform the lift really well, but that doesn't mean that they're straight up more, have more strength or more force producing ability in that, um, you know, vertical plane, so to speak. Um, so taking this a step further. So will lifting more weight in this exercise make one athlete faster than another? So it could. Uh, but a big but here, um, it, it's all relative. So speaking of relative, we have to consider relative strength. That's going to be pretty big. Um, 
that is, you know, the body weight paired with their overall force producing ability. So how much do you weigh and how much force can you produce and how strong are you? So the more you weigh, obviously you can increasingly get stronger, but it's going to have, there's, there's a ratio. So I can gain 40 pounds on body weight and put up another 70 pounds on my squat, but I'm probably not going to be nearly as fast as I was when I was 40 pounds lighter. It just, there's a lot of context, like the 40 pounds, you probably have to squat like another 200 pounds to make up for the, the uh, other weight uh, that you're carrying. So when it comes to speed, we don't want to sacrifice that ratio. Um, so we also need to understand too, like think about it this way in terms of an analogy, you have two cars um, and they're going to race each other and one has more horsepower, but the one car with the more horsepower weighs a great deal more than the other car. It may lose even though it has more horsepower, more force producing ability. You know, the horsepower compared to the force producing ability would be the analogy there. Um, so it's, it's just, it's really something you need to kind of split the hairs of and really understand that, you know, while producing more force, in this exercise could help with our overall force producing ability and contribute to the force we put into our sprinting and maybe make us faster. There's so much more that goes into it. We had mentioned the relative strength already, um, the size of the athlete. And it's also like I already alluded to the plane in which they can produce the force. You know, the first athlete who squats more, um, it's a vertical based activity. We know sports are multi-planar and speed is far more than strictly vertical. So, you know, maybe the other athlete who squats 90 kilos is more adept in those other planes and would be faster and a better athlete than the athlete that could squat more. Uh, I will say that if that were the case, that if, you know, the 90 degree, sorry, the 90 kilo squatter was a better athlete and had better force producing ability in the other planes, getting him from 90 to 130 would never hurt him. But it's like, is it important or is it something that they absolutely need? Or can we keep on maybe specifying the different planes they're moving in and getting them stronger in those planes and more explosive and all that kind of stuff? So think about it that way. Um, the, the, like, again, like I said, the 130 pound or 130 kilo squatting athlete may not produce force as well in a non-vertical activity um, or one he isn't as well versed in. So think about like a, a power lifter. They are really well versed in the squat. They do it a lot and and it's something they're really, uh, you know, well versed in. And maybe if they perform another activity, if they're not as well versed in their force producing ability isn't going to be as special or as great as it is in an exercise like the squat that they're pretty uh, proficient in and they do uh, pretty often. All right. So... We basically now established that relative strength, uh, the force produced relative to body size, right? So that is key. The planes involved in the technical proficiency. So the biggest piece or the one of the biggest pieces that we're going to get to lastly is the rate of force production and the context of sprinting and athletic activity. So as we know, we do not have an infinite amount of time to express force when sprinting. So ground contact time is less than a tenth of a second. Um, in general, most ballistic activities, like we have a very small window to produce force. So as Max Schmarzo has said, and I've, I've stolen this from him or he came on the show and mentioned it, and I've, I've used it ever since. You can never be too strong in the context of the activity in which you're able, in which you're producing force. So you can never be too strong in a tenth of a second in terms of sprinting, like the ground contact time. The more force you can produce in that tenth of a second, the better off you're going to be. Um, the more force you can produce in the amount of time you have to exert force in a swing in baseball or a jump, uh, in going up to dunk in basketball or, or, um, you know, going down the mound and throwing a pitch in baseball. Like the more force you can produce in the context of those activities, the better off you're going to be. That's never going to hurt you. There's no such thing as being too strong in that context. 
However, um, we need to be able to tell how well an athlete can express their force in these smaller windows. So there is going to be a point where the more force you can exert in a window that is not conducive to the sport or the movement yet you're referring to, uh, there begins to be less carryover. So, you know, how, um, you know, well can an athlete express their force in smaller windows? So we have power, obviously strength times speed. Um, we have, con- you know, concepts like stiffness and sprinting. So basically the ability of the limb to maintain position through ground contact while, you know, eccentric forces are applied and the body kind of, uh, repositions that force back out that whole process and, you know, how that influences overall force production and the encounter on ground contact and, you know, in addition to that smaller, uh, window is the plane of motion different. So you might have a thing like, like I said, baseball, like not only is the, um, amount of time that you have to exert force, like in a swing, which is a very ballistic movement, very fast ballistic, meaning like it occurs max output in like a, a second or two and it's over. Um, so now you have that smaller window, but you have the plane of motion is different too. So they're moving frontally and transverse, not vertically like the squat and it's in a smaller amount of time. So now you have all of those kind of aspects playing against the, you know, pure strength in a squat. Uh, taking a step from there. While there is no such thing as, and I already said this, being too strong in the context of your sport, there is such a thing as force produced, uh, and expressed in slower slash different manners, uh, you know, and them eventually not correlating to anything other than being stronger in that particular lift. So if we are looking at it in a general sense with a novice athlete, like, yeah, filling up the bucket, like they have no, prerequisite strength that they're not very strong at all getting better in a lift like the front squat or the back squat or the deadlift is going to do a lot for them early on because it's going to just build general strength once they have that general strength to the point of where it needs to be you know general meaning like it's just a regular lift general strength training and it's not as specified to the plane or the activity unilateral whatever it is um, there's going to be a point where it has diminishing returns and it's not going to really do much for us and there's other things that would better serve us to focus on So what this means is, you know, at that rudimentary level, improving general force and strength with a lift uh, will usually correlate to speed or power for the reasons that I I noted, because they don't have any force producing producing ability whatsoever. So once we give them a little bit, they're going to be better off. Um, But it's still even just even in that case, still a slice of the pie, just a small piece of it. Um, You know, we need to kind of use everything we have at our disposal. And I think, and I've I've addressed this in previous episodes, talking about the force velocity curve and, you know, when we can know it's time to, you know, adjust whether we're focusing on strength training or speed training or power training, whatever it is. Um, Power tests like the vertical can tell us a lot about, you know, where we are, if the general strength training is improved or the, the focus on force is improving uh, our speed. So seeing in the vertical jump, like the static vertical versus the counter movement vertical, the difference between the two. And I've alluded to this on previous episodes, even a couple of weeks ago, I talked about this in the force velocity profiling episode. Um, seeing when there begins to be a point where the improvement of general strength isn't really correlating to, um, you know, or having contributions to the overall vertical, let's just say, or you maybe close the gap between your static vertical and your counter movement. So I always talk about how the static vertical and the counter movement, if there's a big difference, it means that we rely a lot on the stretch shortening cycle and we don't get a lot of in our jump based on force. So we need to look at that. If we close that gap, we know that we've improved in our areas of strength. 
if we do our vertical straight up, like I jump a 28 inch vertical and I go do a, a lot of strength work and I might improve my squat 50 pounds and I'm still jumping a 28 or maybe only a 29, 28, five, whatever it is, I'm gonna have to look at myself and say, hey, like I didn't really go up that much after improving all my strength in this lift. Like it's either time to look at a different lift, time to stop focusing so, so much on maybe just strength. Um, you know, we have to really take a step back and see what is gonna give us the bang for our buck and what's gonna carry us on to our next improvement. And even more basic than that would just be seeing when, you know, the, the growth in these one particular, this one particular lift or just the strength training, heavy focus in general, when it stops having contributions to your sprint time. So if you are taking your sprint times routinely and you see that, you know, there's a correlation between your improvement in your trap bar deadlift and your sprint times. Okay. Like maybe we're on to something here. Maybe it's helping us, but just be careful. Like, you have to make sure you don't attribute all of your improvement to just the one thing that you're doing because there's other things that you're doing. Like if I have an athlete sprint twice a week and they go up 100 pounds in their deadlift over the course of a year, um, a, a lot of their improvements that they're going to have in their sprinting and in their speed is going to just be from the fact that you know they were doing sprints twice a week and they were getting more proficient and the mechanics were getting better and they were you know getting results from the uh, plyometric effect of the ground contacts and stuff like that. Like, yeah, their deadlift went up 100 pounds, and I'm sure it contributed, but we can't just say, oh, in that period of time, the deadlift went up 100 pounds, so this must mean if we get, um, you know, 100 pounds up on everybody else's deadlift, everyone's going to have the same result. Or even with the same athlete, like, they improved 100 pounds from March to March. If we go up another 50 pounds from March to August or March to September, let's just say, they're going to see, you know, also, again, more significant improvements in their speed. It's not just a straight-up kind of link like that, like it doesn't straight up occur like that. There are other things you were doing in your programming, plyometrics, um, the sprints, as I mentioned, like we need to make sure we can find a way to not be biased to it. And we need to know that there is more that is going on. Like if you haven't touched, if you haven't done a sprint in a year and you keep squatting or deadlifting and that number goes up and I'm not even sure, like you literally haven't sprinted, like you haven't played sports, you haven't done speed during your training or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you do a year of strength training and your deadlift goes up a hundred pounds and you're a little faster. Like, okay, like maybe I can tell you that that was purely based off the fact that, you know, you just did straight up strength work and got stronger. But when you're doing strength work in kind of paired with the plyometrics and the sprinting, like you can't just make that automatic assumption that all, it was all the strength work that improved it or whatever. Like we need to have testing protocol that can help us make this decision a little easier and know that, you know, what are we doing? Is it effective? Is it not effective? Like have protocol to tell you and take the guesswork out of, you know, what goes into it, what needs to come out of it. It's that overall equation that's always going to be changing by athlete by athlete in terms of, you know, telling us what needs to be in our programming, what needs to be adjusted, et cetera, et cetera. So to kind of wrap things up, we, you know, look at the fact that the rate of force produced, the planes of motion of the produced force, the technical proficiency in the lift, these are all factors that could have an impact and let us know that this is not an apples to apples comparison saying I squatted more um, or I squat more than someone else, I'm a, I'm a better athlete or I'm faster. You know, lifting more weight in this exercise could make us faster than someone else. It could, but it's all dependent on things like relative strength, um, the planes in which producing force, the amount of time, it all kind of goes into it. Um, you know, understanding 
the importance of the rate of force production, uh, the, you know, kind of smaller windows we have to produce force in our activities like sprinting or jumping or just things in our sport. And just knowing that we need to find ways to kind of test and make sure that we're, you know, steering ourselves in the right direction and making good decisions about our programming based on facts um, and just not assumptions and just knowing that never, you can never attribute uh, improvements to one thing if you're doing multiple things uh, at a time. So um, I would say that kind of sums things up on that. Uh, I hope this was valuable to you guys and you got something out of this. And as always, I will talk to you guys on the next episode. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Muscles and Management Podcast brought to you by Challenger Strength. I'm your host, Jared Filippo, signing off on the show that's changing the way we view training, sports performance, and business.